Okay. Um, I think what we'll do, we're going until 12, but we'll take a break. Somewhere uh, in between, uh, everybody knows where the washrooms are, down at the end of the hall. And um, we'll, uh, I'll certainly leave time for questions um, uh, around the break time, but if questions come to you in the midst, just shout out and say, that doesn't make sense, or what about? There are going to be all kinds of things uh, in the Bible we do not talk about. We just don't have the time. Uh, but we'll talk about a lot of what's in the Bible. We're going to take three sessions on the Old Testament, uh, three weeks on the Old Testament, and then three weeks on the New Testament. And we're trying to get, um, uh, although we look at a lot of details, we're trying to get this overall picture of how the drama works. Uh, how uh, Israelites understood uh, their drama and how... Um, early Christians understood themselves in light of that story. Okay. I think that's enough for introductions. Do we have your credentials? We want to know you're legit. I have, I, I, I have a, a bachelor's of engineering. <laughs> <laughs> I like it well. I can turn the lights on. <laughs> and I have uh, a couple of master's degrees and a doctorate in um, theology, New, New, New Testament. But in order to read the New Testament, you have to know the Old Testament. So that's why <laughs> we start with the Old Testament. So we're going to start with an overview of the books and geography and history of the Old Testament. And uh, I, uh, did everybody get notes? Mm -hmm. um, so the first page there uh, shows you a list of the books of the Old Testament. Um, and there's two lists. So the first list is what's in the Hebrew Bible on the left-hand side. And there's three major sections to that list. Mm -hmm. I actually brought a Hebrew Bible so you could see and read it. Um, uh, uh, Torah, the prophets, and the writings. Uh, we use the word Torah instead of a translation like law because, I don't know, Torah is more than just law. So mm -hmm. that's why we use that. Uh, so there's the three main sections. Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. By the way, I, I understand some of you know this very well, and some of you may already feel intimidated. Uh, so I'm... I'm Gonna go for the whole crowd. Uh, if you feel intimidated and some things just are seem to be above you, just get get what you can, and uh, we'll we'll uh, see where we go from there. So, first five books of the Old Testament: yeah, Genesis through Deut uh, Deuteronomy, uh, and then the Hebrew Bible has uh, next to the Hebrew Bible come the the prophets, and this is interesting. So, just have a look at this. These are the books in the prophets, uh, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. Uh, you might find that interesting. That's not how we usually think of the prophets, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, the Israelites did. Um, that is to say, in Samuel and Kings, you have a history of Israel, but it's, interpret it's a prophetic interpretation of that history. 
Okay, so that's why. And then you have the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then the minor prophets, also called the Book of the Twelve. Okay, there's twelve uh, from Hosea down to Malachi. And uh, I was going to introduce the psalm I learned in Sunday school that helped me to remember all the books of the Bible, but uh, I'll spare you the. Uh, <laughs> It's still how I remember the, the Minor Prophets. And then there's uh, the third category in the Hebrew Bible is the writings. <laughs> Uh, and all, th this is everything else. So you've got Psalms, you've got Job, Proverbs, Ruth, <coughs> Song of Solomon, uh, etc. So, uh, Song of Solomon, often called Song of Songs, uh, and all the way down to Chronicles. And that's the order of the books in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> Sorry, I should go this way for you because it starts at uh, the right-hand side and goes backwards. Um, interestingly, uh, there was a translation made of the Hebrew Bible into Greek um, somewhere in the third century before Christ. And there's a story, there's a Jewish story that goes along with it that it took 70 scholars, 70 days mm -hmm. to finish the entire. We think that's probably a bit apocryphal. Uh, but anyways, it, it was written sometime in the third century uh, before Christ. And it was written because many Jews, their first language was no longer Hebrew. Their first language was Greek, so it was serving a Jewish population spread around the Mediterranean world. Um, now what's interesting about this is the order of the books. Uh, you still start with the law, as you did with the Hebrew section, first five books. Uh, then you've got the historical books. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. And then you've got Wisdom and Psalms, uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And then you've got all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. Lamentations, uh, Ezekiel, and, uh, and, and Daniel's in here, whereas Daniel was in the writings in the, in the Hebrew section. Now, what's interesting about this is, um, well, a couple, a couple of things. First of all, they are both Jewish arrangements of the scriptures. I was going to say Old Testament, but if I'm in a Jewish world, it's of the scriptures, <laughs> right? They're both Jewish arrangements. Um, the significance of the Septuagint uh, for us is that this was the Bible of the early church. So when you have when you buy an English Bible, uh, the order of the books will be according to the Septuagint, not according to the Hebrew Bible. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm just wondering, like, why did the Greeks change the order at all from this? Don't know. Okay. I don't know the answer to that. I wondered if it was a cultural thing or just a one guy had more power than the rest, and said, "We're doing it this way." Yeah, I, um, I suppose the scholars that worked on it felt that it made more sense this way rather than 
the, the Hebrew order way. Um, in this class, interestingly, <laughs> we're going to follow the Hebrew order because it's a nice three uh, um, sections. But just so you know, where we get the order in our Bibles for the books of the Old Testament is from the Septuagint. Also in the Septuagint are a bunch of other books that are referred to either as the Apocrypha or Deuterocanonical books, depending on what which tradition you were part of. Um, so there are a number of books, and these were all written, well, all written. Um, second, maybe third century before Christ up to the time of Christ, and one or two of them even after Christ, I think. Uh, but what's interesting is that in the copies of the Septuagint, at least many, not all, in many of the copies of the Septuagint, these are attached. Interesting. Um, so, are these part of the Bible then? Now, what's interesting about that question is that it actually wasn't settled until the 16th century. Um, so, Martin Luther was the proponent who said, only the books written in Hebrew should be part of the canon of Christian scripture, you know, apart from the New Testament. Whereas the Council of Trent, which was the um, Council of the, the Roman Catholic Church, argued in favor of the apocryphal books as well. So that's why in a Catholic Bible you'll find these books, whereas in a Protestant Bible you won't. And actually, I was just looking at this list this morning. I think there's some fuzziness. Uh, three and four Maccabees, for example, I don't think are part of the Catholic Bible. Um, they're interesting. Um, they're interesting to read. I certainly um, uh, 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 support the reading because they tell us something about uh, Judaism in the time before Christ. Uh, so they're useful from that perspective. There used to be, I remember when I was growing up, there used to be a lot of debates. We used to get into debates about whether these were scripture or not. Um, I, I actually don't think there's a lot riding on it. Um, I think one thing that comes up that I can think of that comes up in these books that's not in anything else in scripture is the idea of uh, praying for the dead. So the idea of purgatory um, is, is here where it's nowhere else in scripture. So, uh, but honestly, I don't, I can't think of a lot of other things that is um, sort of doctrinally problematic. So that's that. Any questions? We're not going to be talking about these books very much. But, but um, um, the books of Maccabees will uh, we'll note actually are really significant uh, for understanding the New Testament. Wasn't the Maccabees mentioned in the Old Testament? No. No? No, they came later. Well, <laughs> now that you mention it, um, 
I would argue, uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, <coughs> that the book of Daniel deals with issues that come up um, in the time of the Maccabees. Okay. Yeah. They were a people, right? Maccabees, it was, it was a family. Right. It, was, it was a family, and they um, instigated a revolt uh, when the Syrian officers tried to force people to eat pork and were uh, um, uh, restricting people from being circumcised, babies from being circumcised. In other words, we're trying to um, do away with Jewish identity. And so these uh, family, this uh, family, five brothers gathered a bunch of uh, revolutionaries and essentially engaged in guerrilla warfare. Oh, wow. And we're successful. So it's a, it's in the Maccabees, isn't that where they get the the menorah from? The, the story of the of the burning of the oil for seven days. Well, it would be having to do with the rededication of the temple, mm -hmm. which is what they were fighting for, and they won in one sixty four BC. Yeah. So um, Purim. That's a Purim. Is that, is that Purim? Oh, we got the wrong one. No. Uh, Purim is Esther. No, uh, that, that's Esther. What's the uh, festival of lights? Hanukkah. 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 That's Hanukkah. You're asking me questions out of order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Old Testament. <laughs> so the Old Testament is a collection of writings somewhat akin to a national archive. Maybe a small national archive, but it's, mm -hmm. it has such a variety. There's history, there's law, there's psalms, there's stories, there's wisdom, there's prophecy, and it's all been written over a thousand year period. So it's quite a collection from that, from that perspective. Okay. Let's get our geography straight. Geography, okay, so this is the area that we're talking about, Mediterranean Sea. Uh, the area where Israel was is called the Levant. That's, that's the geographical name for that uh, eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. Major areas to be concerned about, Egypt, Babylon, and Assyria. Those are your three superpowers. And from time to time, one will be on the on on the uh, rise, and the other one will be waning. Uh, but those are the three superpowers that, at various times, Israel has to deal with. Okay, they're vying with each other as well. And then smaller groups on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So this is Jordan River here and the Dead Sea, uh, Sea of Galilee, right there. That little dot. Edom, Moab, Ammon, and uh, Aram, uh, other nations, uh, smaller nations that Israel has to deal with from time to time. Aram in particular um, is what we know today as Syria. Okay. So to the north. And then there's a bunch of cities all around there. So you got Jerusalem down here, that would be good to know. Um, what else do you need to know besides Jerusalem? Uh, right. But that gives you an idea of the area we're talking about. I've always been curious because 
you know how your brain can understand certain things and then when it comes to certain topics, your brain just says, nope, confusion, this is not happening. <laughs> That's how I am with historical, like, that area has changed so much with who was in power and yeah. what it was called and all that. Yeah. In the old days of school, you know how you used to have those overhead projectors and they would add a plastic yeah. on top? I would love to see some kind of mapping system that, that shows from before Christ to present day. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever come across anything? Oh, like bits and pieces you can get. Uh, of course, it's always changing. And, and, yeah. um, the question is just how much detail Right. No, Every ten years. Other place to note Ur. Uh, Ur is where Abraham came from. So we'll get to Abraham in uh, just a minute. And of course, you've got the, the two main rivers, um, the Euphrates and the Tigris, that are giving uh, moisture to the area. And this whole area here is called the Fertile Crescent. Okay. This stuff in here is desert. So you tend to go up and around rather than across. Okay, good. What else? What else we got here? Israelites appeared and developed a rural culture mainly in the hill country and around Galilee, Samaria, and Judah in a region where they could not be isolated. Uh, always under the influence of one superpower or another. About 20,000 square kilometers, 230 kilometers from north to south, 50 from east to west. So you get the idea. This is smaller well, than. Small bank, bank, bank. Yeah. 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 Um, Israel was, uh, first of all, pastoral and later after David, agricultural. Uh, there will be challenges in transportation with rivers and mountains, hence the various regions develop in their own ways. Okay, fine. What have we got? From time to time, Israel have to deal with uh, neighboring nations, especially superpowers, Egypt, uh, Assyria, up to the late 7th century, Babylon, from late 7th to early 6th uh, century, and then comes Persia, Greece, and then Rome. Those are your, mm -hmm. your main superpowers. Okay, what else have we got here? Okay, that's the geography. We're done with that. Oh, Very yeah, good. memorize, got it. Yep, yeah, you got it? Mm -hmm. You got to do it on the quiz? Right here, right here. Historical context. Okay, now I've given you a, I've given you a one page history. I can't remember what else I gave you, but the, the, there's a one pager table that uh, might be as good to follow on this as anything. Uh, I try to give you, you got, oh, uh, just note on this, so this is, so that we're all looking at the same thing. This is this thing. Yeah. So note on the side that the scale is not uh, linear. Uh, the first uh, couple of inches goes from 2,000 to 1,000. So you've got a millennium. In, in, in that first couple of inches, and then the rest of the page uh, goes the next thousand years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's uh, skewed that way. Uh, but then you've got various leaders who will be the patriarchs and the kings and various other people in the second column, various events, 
And then I decided to do a column with the prophets because they're so prominent in the Old Testament. Uh, but I, I use this as a kind of one, um, a bird's eye view of the history of the Old Testament. So there's a couple of ways we could have done this course. Uh, one is to look at the literature, and the other is to look at is to follow history. And I decided to do the former to look at literature, but you can't do that without having a at least a rough view of uh, what the history was. So um, if you just want to study this, this will give you uh, um, an overview of what we're talking about. So we start with Abraham. Abraham has a son Isaac, Isaac has a son Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons. Mm -hmm. Actually had a daughter too. She doesn't get named very much. Um, there's actually 14 names here, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, etc. Uh, Manasseh and Ephraim and Benjamin. Uh, who are Manasseh and Ephraim? Does anybody know? They were sons of Joseph. Now why, and, and so sometimes when you get a listing of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim are mentioned. And who is not mentioned? Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph. Who else? Levi. Levi. Why not Levi? Because he's the priest. Yeah. When, when they came into the land, the Levites weren't allotted land mm -hmm. because they served in the uh, sanctuary. Um, so, so, but the number 12 is still important. Hence, they, um, they use the two sons of Joseph in uh, Joseph's book. Okay. Interesting. When you've got Ishmael going off yeah. in another direction, do 12 tribes come out of Ishmael? Like, I get a little bit confused about when a reference is made to 12 tribes we're referring to these. Yeah, we're refer referring to the, the sons of Jacob. So Ishmael was uh, half-brother of Isaac. And his story gets lost in the Old Testament. Uh, like he and, and his, his, his mother are exiled, and we don't hear of them again. But is that where the Islamic faith has right. its roots? Yeah. Okay. yeah. But it's very important. And they have their 12 tribes as well. As they had a lot of kids in those days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, Abraham, so these are the patriarchs. So these are the, the uh, fathers of the, um, uh, we, as we know from uh, Sunday services, we're, talk we're talking about Exodus, they all ended up in Egypt and they were in slavery, and Moses comes along to deliver them from slavery, uh, leads the Israelites out of Egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years en route to the promised land, so trying to go back to where Abraham had come from, and he gives the law. So this is, um, Moses is uh, main role here. Based on archeology, span the Exodus occurred possibly sometime in the late 13th century. There's a bit of a scholarly debate on the dating of the Exodus, um, and it has to do with archeology span versus numbers in the Bible. 
um, dating in the Bible. If you, if you date it from the Bible, it goes back to the 15th century. Uh, but archaeologically, uh, it's, it's probably more likely in the 13th century. 12, I don't know. It's 1220, 1240, so, uh, something like that. Anyways, just to give you an idea of when we're talking about. Okay. It's really interesting for me um, to, to see this because growing up as a kid and hearing about the Bible and learning the Old Testament and the New Testament, as a child, it was, I thought of it as a linear thing. So book one, it was this, and historically it went. And then you, you get into reading and studying it, and you realize it's all over the place. And yeah. it doesn't historically kind of be. So it's a really different way to have to, to look at. Because depending on which, whether you look at the leaders or the events or the prophets, it, yes. it's a historical narrative. Yes. Is so different. Right? That's right. That's right. I, I think I remember. Uh, there was a Bible published some years ago that put all the books in historical order, not when they were written, but what, what, what time they had to deal with. And so you'd have prophets interleaved with yeah. historical books. We used to have a book in the library here. <clears throat> I read it. It was 700 pages long. And it was basically a novel, but it was exactly that. It was the Bible oh, really? in historical order. Yeah. Interesting. It was good. Um, the thing that shaped the spirituality of the Israelites more than anything else was that they looked to history more than to nature, to find the key to understanding life's mysteries. Let's think about that one for a minute. Yeah. It was interesting in the, in the, um, the way session that we had on uh, Sunday, uh, the question was, uh, when have you in your life felt like you you were on holy ground? And a number of people mentioned uh, something to do with experiencing nature. Okay. That's not wrong. I mean, you have that in uh, Psalm 19, for example. The psalmist is, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, uh, and so forth. But in terms of the emphasis, uh, what impressed the Israelites more about God's activity was history. Very significant uh, for the development of the faith of Israel. Uh, furthermore, the history that Israelites looked to was not simply the action of kings and the movements of nations, but was focused on dramas within families. And that's interesting too. Most of the history books that you pick up the, they'll tell you about the reign of so-and-so, mm -hmm. um, but, but the stories in the Bible often deal with family stories. Yeah. Okay, Exodus. Oh, here's the, um, uh, so this story of, of the Exodus becomes uh, foundational for uh, Israelite identity. So that hundreds of years later even, uh, Israelites are still saying this. Uh, a wandering Aramean, which <clears throat> probably refers to Jacob because he went for a time up to up in the, in the north. A wandering Aramean was my father. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there uh, he became a nation. 
great, mighty, and populous, and the Egyptians treated us harshly, and they afflicted us, and they laid upon us hard bondage. And then we cried to the Lord our God, the Lord, the God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders. He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So clearly a text read from the perspective of people who are in the promised land. Uh, but it's interesting that they still have, as far as identity goes, they are still ones who were brought out of Egypt. Right? Not just, it, it wasn't God brought our ancestors out of e e Egypt, God brought us out. Um, so there's a, a kind of participation in, 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 a, in a, um, a saving event that Israelites have. Um, something that comes up in the New Testament when Paul talks about being crucified with Christ. And we'll get there. Okay, um, after the Exodus, we come to the settlement. So uh, we're up to, uh, well, I didn't put anything about the settlement here. So this, this is Joshua. I didn't have to, uh, room here between Moses and Saul. Um, uh, to talk about uh, uh, Joshua. Um, that in, in scholarship, there are three models that are discussed about how the promised land was settled by Israelites. Uh, one is the story we have in the first half of the book of Joshua, which is a story of conquest. They come in and they... Uh, one over Jericho and various other cities. Uh, that's one model. Uh, but as you read on in Jericho, as you begin to read in the, in the book of Judges, you find that the conquest was not complete. Other, uh, another model is peaceful infiltration. The idea that nomads moving into territory that had not previously been heavily populated or protected by the larger Canaanite city-states. Albert Pollock is the scholar's name. So people simply moved in, in, into the area and uh, joined the Israelites. Another model is what we might call uh, a social revolution where people converted to uh, the faith of Israelites. Um, one person you might think off the top of your head, uh, Rahab they, and, and, her, and her family who helped the Israelites in the Battle of Jericho. Um, she, she was a Canaanite, but they joined the faith of Israel. And then there are other examples that are given there. So it, 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 interesting models, although in terms of the national identity, it's the, 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 ec ec the story of the exodus to the conquest that gives identity to the Israelites. Right? That's the story you tell um, that is here. This is the story we remember. That you, you maybe say this instead of the Pledge, the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of school day, 
Um, you say this. <laughs> this is who we are. Okay, uh, significant at this time, uh, Israel is a loose confederation of tribes with a decentralized and non-hereditary leadership. So we're talking about the time of uh, uh, Joshua the Judges. So this is before uh, Saul on your, on your map. Um, a loose confederation of tribes. Remember we said the transportation, we don't have established roads yet. So groups are developing uh, somewhat independently. And there's no, um, the, the, there's no centralized government. Uh, in fact, Israel is opposed to the idea of developing a class system. Why might they be opposed to developing a class system? Why would that be so important? Because they would have smacked the slavery. Yes. You were slaves in you were slaves in in, in Egypt. Uh, you want to develop a class system now, yeah. right? So again, this is remembering where you came from. <clears throat> What happens, uh, you, there are unfriendly uh, neighbors, however, uh, so what happens when uh, you are threatened, charismatic judges address conflicts as they arise, uh, necessary without a king with a standing army. So this is the book of Judges, uh, Gideon would be the most uh, famous one, but they would be charismatic people who would uh, if, if there's a problem with the Philistines, um, you have to go around from town to town and rally uh, of forces, get an army together, they go to battle, they win the battle, everybody goes home. Okay? So that's the time of the judges. <coughs> then we've got the kings. So this goes on for on for a time, and you might be able to imagine that um, this idea of going around and rallying people for battle, uh, if the threats get larger, um, both, this might not be the most efficient way of doing battles, and it's getting a bit tiring. What we really need is a centralized government and a centralized army. That's going to be more efficient to uh, maintaining our security. Okay, so that's what uh, that's what's around the the call for Israel to have a king, and the story there first is about uh, of Saul. So Saul is the first king, and roughly ten forty ish uh, BC, and he goes on for forty years. He, however, his son, however, does not follow him. Um, he is disobedient in some ways, and so uh, the, the kingdom is taken from him and it's given to David. Uh, David actually was in Saul's court for a bit. He was a musician, and uh, David becomes a king about 1,000. That's a, that, that's a good benchmark if you're trying to remember dates. Uh, David around the year 1,000. I think that's right, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is that what I got? Yeah. Um, and uh, David goes on. David um, uh, 
kingdom expands, he's starting to develop uh, an army. Uh, he establishes Jerusalem as the capital. Uh, he attacks Jerusalem, uh, he, he captures Jerusalem, and he builds a palace there. Uh, he moves what, what, what is called the Ark of the Covenant, which is something that was built in the in the wilderness times, he, he moves that to Jerusalem, so that you can see there's some political strategic move here to centralize attention to Jerusalem. You've got uh, the shrine for worship in Jerusalem, you've got the uh, palace, um, and then something happens uh, when David dies, his son becomes king. Now that's interesting because this is the first time this has happened. Um, Solomon's credentials for being king are not that he is a warrior like Saul or David. He's a son. And this is how it will go now, uh, from now on is that uh, it will be a son of David's line that will be king. Uh, Solomon uh, continues the policies of David, and um, when Solomon dies, uh, the kingdom actually divides the northern tribes and the southern tribes. The reason for the division had a lot to do with taxation. <laughs> they have representatives from the north came and they asked Solomon, you know, are you going to tax us as hard as your father David did? And he says, yes, it'll be twice as hard. Hmm. And of course, you need taxes if you're going to have a big army, mm -hmm. right? You're going to have the infrastructure of the royal court uh, and so forth. And so the northern ten tribes separate from the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, uh, after Solomon dies. So you've got that on your on your table with Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and I've, I've just separated them out for you. Okay. Now, th th there's a bit of a confusion here because in, in the Old Testament, um, what is Israel? So, it, so the northern ten tribes get the name Israel, and the southern two tribes get the name Judah, although it's both Judah and Benjamin. So just note that. Uh, prior to this, Israel was the whole twelve tribes. So there will be a confusion when we're talking about Israel. Are we talking about the northern kingdom, or are we talking about the whole, the whole, the whole group? Uh, so we have a divided kingdom. In the north, uh, Israel is established as the kingdom in the north. You've got the ten tribes. Israel faces the problem of accommodating with Canaanite society. You've got religious idealism versus political experience.